It's Thursday, November 7th, and this is episode two of Huddle Up, a football podcast. My name's Tony Dyer. You can find me on Twitter at Commissioner Mister, and today I'll be joined by Corey Wilkerson. You can find him on Twitter also at Wilkie Wonka F. F. Last week, we talked about the Patriots. We also talked about the 49ers and about how their process supports a successful football team. We talked about the result revolving door that the Patriots have had with Nikhil Harry on IR, now active from IR, with Antonio Brown being traded into the mix and then obviously spit out, and with Josh Gordon being placed weirdly on IR and then being released to be claimed by the Seahawks and to be practicing ready to play. Anyway, last week, we talked about the process. And it just so happens that a couple of days ago, I went to a rock concert. Unrelated, but I'll tie it together, I promise. I went to a rock concert the other day, and we got there after the opener had already started. They were in between the opener and the main show, Tool, when we got there. So I'm standing in line to get myself a drink, and I immediately noticed that the other people have been there a lot longer than I have. I'm the only one that showed up late is how it feels because these people have been getting drinks all night long and it's very obvious. Anyway, not a problem though. They were very, I'll say they were very polite. Nobody got in the way. Nobody was yelling or doing anything crazy. They were just drunk adults doing what they do. Anyway, I'm standing in line to get my beverage and a police officer walks by. He's just patrolling the area. The first thing I noticed, though, was his age. This has to be the oldest police officer that I've ever seen on the job. And no disrespect to him, because it's, it's obvious to me that he's been doing this job for a very long time. And so with all the respect in the world, I'm just stating that he's the oldest that I've noticed for a very long time. But as I'm standing in a crowd of really pretty big people, most of them were all pretty big, drinking heavily... I think what happens if, if, if something happens, you know, I don't think anything's crazy. I'm not saying that, but if, if uh, somebody spills a beer on somebody and the next thing you know, there's a big fight or if there's a mosh pit breaks out for some reason or whatever it would be, something not sinister. I'm not saying that what, his job is to patrol the area for trouble. What happens when he finds trouble? How will he be able to not only neutralize the situation, but to protect himself? He's an old man. There's no way around it. But then I realized that his age isn't as important as it might seem. Because he has the support of a system. He understands the process of that system. He's one piece of the system who can help organize and execute a plan. It just hit me. It doesn't take a team of superstars to accomplish a mission. It just takes a team, a team that's on the same page. And, and all of a sudden, I started drawing parallels to football when I'm looking at star power like Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, now Kareem Hunt. Let's add more to the mix. When I look at that team and I think, what the hell's going on there that they can't win a game? When on the other hand, the Baltimore Ravens just took down the New England Patriots. And at the beginning of the season, as a, for the fantasy guys, we were avoiding those Baltimore wide receivers like the plague. Lamar Jackson can't throw the football. Wrong. But that's besides the point. 
The Ravens has a, have a system, a proven system, a consistent system where the quarterback, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and the defensive coordinator are all on the same page. And by the way, Lamar Jackson's really good. Meanwhile, over in Cleveland, you got a bunch of superstars with all the talent in the world. Last year, Baker Mayfield was the most accurate quarterback in football. Last year, Odo Beckham caught like all like 50% of his passes were would have otherwise been called uncatchable. We're off target, I guess. Not uncatchable, off target passes. That pairing seemed like a match made in heaven. You get the ball close to Odell Beckham and he sucks it up, runs it down the field, touchdown. Grabs it with that one hand, that spectacular end zone toe tap. Why is that not happening? Welcome back. How you guys doing? We got Corey. What's up? Hi, Corey. Wish I could have been here last week. A little schedule mix up. Wasn't expected, but I'm here now. It wasn't a mix-up. We had to change our schedules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was voluntary. But it got mixed up. It did get mixed up. But we're ready to go now. Anyway, what in the world is going on in Cleveland? What I don't understand, Baker Mayfield came out today and said that he wanted to force-feed Odell Beckham Jr. the football. <laughs> and that makes no sense to me. I agree. Why wouldn't we have already thought of that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the better question is, I mean, obviously you want to get Odell the ball. Well, obviously, but this it doesn't make any sense. We, we have multiple superstars on our team. Why are we force-feeding anybody? I guess, first of all, that's my question. Why, why would we force-feed anybody? Couldn't you scheme Odell Beckham? I'm going to take something from you that we talked about earlier. Can't we just use Odell Beckham to scheme other players open? Yeah, take Odell Beckham, run him this way, and then throw Jarvis Landry. I mean, you have Antonio Callaway, who I guess he hasn't been out there that much, but we know he's a really good wide receiver. He's had some issues off the field. But run somebody where Odell Beckham just was, because there's probably going to be two guys following Odell <clears throat> or Nick Chubb. I mean, you can use Odell in other ways other than just giving him the ball. And then you can, as you see teams adapt, find ways to get Odell the ball in an effective situation. It all comes down to coaching. It does come down to the coaching. That goes back to what I was saying earlier about that older police officer. It comes down to the coaching. It comes down to the system. If Odell Beckham's not open, you throw it to Jarvis Landry. It was just a couple of weeks ago that Baker Mayfield said in a post-game interview that he's he said it before he watched the tape. He said... I'm going to go back and look at the tape. I'm going to find that, that Jarvis Landry was open and that I should have thrown him the football. That's so weird. That's what he said. It happened. It was just a few weeks ago that Baker Mayfield is saying he should be targeting the open receiver. Now he's saying he's going to force feed Odell Beckham, which implies I'm going to throw the ball to Beckham whether he's open or not. Yeah. It's reasonable. It's not completely unreasonable. Odell Beckham is an elite freak. Odo Beckham can get up above a cornerback or a safety. He can get above anybody. He can catch the ball, and we've seen it a dozen times. Doesn't mean he's going to do it every time. He can't do it every time. It doesn't make any sense. The problem, the problem for me is this pivot. They're pivoting again. We're going to run the ball. We're going to force feed Odell Beckham. It's not going to work. 
You're just changing it again halfway through. You should have changed it at the beginning. You should have stuck with it. But that's the problem that you have when you have a young quarterback and a young head coach. You know, Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, Freddie Kitchens sucks. You know who Freddie Kitchens reminds me of? Who? I originally thought he reminded me of Billy Bob Thornton from Bad News Bears. But now that I've thought about it, an old memory popped up. I watched the movie a long time ago. It's called The Comebacks. You ever seen it? Nope. Did you know that Tom Brady directed a movie in 2007 called The Comebacks? No. It's not the real Tom Brady. It's He's a, he's a director. But anyways, the coach in that movie, his name is Lambeau Fields. <laughs> he's played by David Kochner. Reminds me a lot of him. I'm just going to read you, read you a synopsis from the movie. Lambeau Fields, the worst head coach in the history of college football, gets a final chance to redeem himself at Heartland State University. Scouring the campus for talent, Fields winds up with a ragtag team of misfits who must be whipped into shape both on and off the field. Unbelievably, his unorthodox training methods work, and the teammates find themselves in the playoffs against the Lone Star State unbeatables. Freddie Kitchens reminds me a lot of Lambeau Fields from this movie. The only difference, the way the movie should have gone, because it was a terrible comedy, just an awful movie, is this team's not going to make the playoffs. And he's going to continue being the worst coach. And he looks a lot like him, and he acts a lot like him, I feel like. Just a redneck who doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> the The problem is, is that Freddie Kitchens does know what he's doing. But he doesn't know... I guess he doesn't. I guess he doesn't know what he's doing. Freddie Kitchens was a great offensive coordinator. And I think that what Freddie Kitchens did with Baker Mayfield made a lot of sense. It's just a shame. Then you look at the Ravens. They've pivoted too. They've changed their game dramatically. The difference between the Browns and the Ravens is that the Ravens did it all at the same time and all for the right reason. The Browns are doing it as they go, and they're doing it because they have to. That's what's so fascinating is that the Ravens knew immediately what Lamar's strengths were. Yep. And they weren't bashful at all about changing their game. Joe Flacco was the quarterback for the Ravens just two years ago. Three years ago now? For two years now, Lamar Jackson's been the quarterback. So two years passed. That team looked totally different. Today, that team is run first in every way. It requires a QB spy. And by the way, Marquise Brown is going to catch you off guard if you're not paying attention. Harbaugh just has them. um, they're, They're more prepared. He knows what he has on his team. He doesn't have a bunch of stars. Whenever you go and play the Ravens, they have an infinite amount of looks they can give you. It may they may show you looks every week that you've never seen on film with them before. But he hasn't prepared. He knows he doesn't have the star power and he knows Lamar's strengths. And they're winning football games. Yeah, they're winning football games. They just beat the Patriots. You know what about that Patriots game? I don't want to seem like a fool. I don't want to say I'm not going to say that the Patriots threw that game. But a little part of me believes that Bill Belichick was okay with the idea of losing that game. 
I feel like he knew. In the first episode, I didn't talk about the Ravens enough. The Ravens have a legitimate chance to make it to the AFC championship game and to face the Patriots there. Definitely. I think that Bill Belichick knows that. He's definitely absolutely aware enough to acknowledge it. And so as a consequence, I think that Bill Belichick may have used this legitimate matchup both as a wake-up call to his team to remind them that they can be beaten, but also as I feel like it was a byproduct of him holding his cards close. I can see that. I just feel like if he is expecting to see them again when it matters the most, that he doesn't want them to see. Of course, they'll see it. Of course, they'll watch every other game for the rest of the season, and they're going to study the tape. But there's a difference between watching the tape and having Stefan Gilmore bear down on top of you. Maybe this was an opportunity for Bill Belichick to give his key team a gut check and to also keep the Ravens from getting firsthand experience about what's to come in the next few weeks. Yeah, I definitely don't think he threw the game. That's no, for sure. I don't think he threw the game. But I think he definitely used it as a learning opportunity because the Ravens are so different. They're so different. There's no other team in the NFL like them. They're basically, they run a college football offense where they don't, they don't throw the ball a ton. They just have Lamar. He's a read option quarterback and they have him running around. So it's a learning experience for his team. And like you said, a wake up call. I, th- I He probably ran a more watered down game plan just to see what they throw out there. And then it gives them more ammo to prepare for the playoffs if they do have to play with them. You're 100 percent right. The Ravens are a totally different football team. And when I look at the AFC and I look at the different teams that could compete with the Patriots, it's just sparse. I don't see a whole lot. What are the what are the current rankings in the AFC? So right now, if the playoffs started, your four division leaders, you got New England, you got Baltimore, Kansas City, Houston. That's uh, New England's the one, Baltimore would be the two, Houston would be the three, Kansas City the four. And your two wild cards, Buffalo and Indy. Then you got a bunch of four and four teams after that. So those are really your six front front teams right now. Okay, so let's break it down by division. In the AFC East, it's the Patriots eight and one. The Bills are down by two games, and then the Dolphins and the Jets aren't in the picture at all. Do the Bills have a chance to beat the Patriots for the division? No. Okay. In the AFC West, the Chiefs are ahead by two with the Raiders in second place. Also with four wins, the Raiders and Chargers both have four wins, and the Broncos down by one. Who can compete with the Chiefs? Can the Raiders? Uh, The Raiders, I don't think so, but I would keep an eye on the Chargers. I think I've talked to you about it. They started off terrible. I think they're a good team, but I talked with you about your eliminator last week. I told you not to take the uh, Packers over the Chargers because I thought they were a good team. So keep an eye on the Chargers. They might go on a run here. Yeah, I did take the Packers over the Chargers. And that was, I picked multiple teams and then decided that the Packers were the safest bet. And we all saw how that went. We'll talk about that later. Anyway, AFC North. Ravens, 6-2. and two. Steelers are in second place, 4-4, four and four, without Ben Roethlisberger. Browns are at 2-6, and six, and the Bengals haven't won a game. Who wins the AFC North? Ravens. You don't see a wild card team out of there either? I wouldn't think so either. Although after the Steelers beat 
the Colts, I wonder. They're not a bad football team. I I just can't see Mason Rudolph taking them to the playoffs. It's possible. We'll have to wait and see. I don't think it's going to happen. I suppose it's possible. I'm looking at their schedule. This week they're up against the Rams, then the Browns, the Bengals, the Browns again, the Steelers, I'm sorry, the Cardinals, the Bills, the Jets, the Ravens. That's a winnable. That's winnable. Yeah, you're right. They can win most of those games. AFC South. That's a tight race. Texans six and three. Colts five and three. Jaguars at four and five. Titans have the same record. The Col- go ahead. Go ahead. The Colts are a team. I we think they're good. So and we know the team probably better than most people. So I I don't I think they're going to be a wild card. Now there is that chance they just fall apart. It's possible. So you, you might be able to see uh, the Jaguars or the Titans sneak into this. But right now I think it's just the Texans and the Colts. Anyway, it is possible. You're absolutely right. The AFC South is still a mess. The Texans at this point are aiming like they should win that division. And Deshaun Watson has had reasonable case for MVP candidate. He's playing well. He's playing great. So it comes back to of all these teams. We're looking at the Bills, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Texans, the Colts. Who did I miss? Is there any team that can challenge the Patriots for the AFC? I think there's a few. Here, we'll, let's just break it down for a second. I've, I've written down a bracket real quick. The way it sits right now, it could totally change. Kansas City, Buffalo, Kansas City at home. Who wins that game in the playoffs? Kansas City. Okay. Uh, Indy going to Houston. Who wins that game in the playoffs? Next. I don't know yet. I'm going to think about it. Let's say Houston wins. Let's just Right now they're playing better. Let's just say Houston wins. Okay. So if that's the way it goes, Houston would go to New England. Do you think Houston could take down New England? No. All right. So you've got Baltimore and New England in the AFC Championship. I've got Baltimore and New England in the AFC Championship. Does New England take them down and go to the Super Bowl? I don't know. I don't know. Here's the way I feel. On paper, New England is the no-question team that's going to the Super Bowl and probably winning it. Somewhere down in my gut, it's not going to happen. They may go to the Super Bowl. They're not winning the Super Bowl this year. Write it down, put it in a box, and we'll open it on February 3rd. It's not going to happen. New England's not going to win the Super Bowl this year. Okay, I'll write it down. But are you be clear about what I'm writing down. Are they not winning or are they not going? They're not winning the Super Bowl. Okay. Who will win the Super Bowl? So th- that means we got to look at the NFC. Well, go ahead. All right. So the <laughs> NFC right now, we talked a little bit about the 49ers. Uh, San Francisco, New Orleans, Dallas, Green Bay are all your division leaders. So they're all the home teams. Um, Seattle goes to Dallas in the playoffs. Who you got one in that? Uh, it's a close game. We'll take the MVP candidate, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Minnesota goes to Green Bay. Who you got one in that? I still don't know about the other pick. Give me a second here. Seattle, Dallas. Dallas is at home. Gosh, that would be a fun game. I love the NFC. I'll take Seattle. Seattle. I'll take I like Seattle. It. I like Seattle. And then uh, Minnesota to Green Bay. Oh, another one. <laughs> it's so tight. Green Bay. I agree. So Green Bay would go to New Orleans. 
New Orleans. God, it'd be a hell of a football game. It'd be a great football game. That NFC playoff this year is going to be probably a classic. There's so many good teams, good quarterbacks. You got the San Francisco 49ers rolling. If they stay in that one spot, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, um, Aaron Rodgers. So who'd you take? I took New Orleans. Okay, so New Orleans. And then uh, Seattle would go to San Francisco, which is also the Monday night matchup this week. Do you remember that um, that season that the Patriots went undefeated and they made all that memorabilia, all the merchandise that was like 19-0 or 20-0? Or- yeah. That's the best case scenario for the 49ers. <laughs> I, I hope... For the 49ers fans, I hope that they have a shot at the Super Bowl. So I'm not trying to be negative. I'm, so, not, I'm not trying to down the team, but I really hope that the San Francisco 49ers are a year or two removed. Because when we talk about these other matchups, you're absolutely right. As a football fan, it would be so much more fun to see New Orleans, Green Bay, Seattle, Dallas. San Francisco's getting the job done, but I'm just telling you, it's not the same... You know, we're going to find out a lot Monday night. If if San Francisco loses Monday night, they haven't played a lot of good teams. Everybody's going to question how good they really are. I've got a list of the teams they've beaten. Go ahead. They've beaten the Bucks, the Bengals, the Steelers, the Browns, the Redskins, and the Cardinals. All bad teams. And they've beaten the Rams, who's a good team. We're pretty sure. <laughs> And the Panthers, who we're not really sure about. So I did put Panthers on the good side. So they haven't really shown a lot yet. So if Seattle beats them on Monday night, I think people are going to question how good the 49ers really are. And if they win, they're going to stay right where they are in everybody's minds. So anyways, Seattle goes to San Francisco. Who's going to win that game? Seattle. All right. So you've got Seattle, New Orleans, and the uh, NFC Championship. Yeah, I've got Seattle and New Orleans in the NFC Championship. And it goes back to the plan. Seattle has a plan. And they stick to it. New Orleans has a plan. And they stick to it. Even without Drew Brees. Without Drew Brees, they stick to the plan. There were no ground-sweeping changes. Nothing remarkable happened. Other than Alvin Kamara got hurt and the backup running back came in with the backup quarterback and they still won games because they stuck with the plan. The Colts stuck with the plan. Andrew Luck retired. They stuck with the plan. Jacoby Brissett gets hurt. They stick with the plan. You end up on a game-winning drive. And a missed field goal stopped them from winning. But they stuck with the plan. That was a game the Colts could have won. But they stuck with it. You watch these teams like the Ravens that were disrespected before the season began, and you realize that those teams have a plan. And if you don't pay attention quick, you're going to wake up wondering how the Ravens got to the Super Bowl. Because it happens fast, guys. When everybody gets on the same page, it happens really, really fast. Yeah, any other bets? 
I think that's it. That's you don't nothing. I was just riding. I only have eighteen dollars to spend this week. <laughs> well, that's what you get. So, so listen to him for sure. Yeah. You know, like so no, but really, tell me what you think about Cam Newton. Cam Newton, you want me to tell you about Cam Newton? Just come on, just dude. He's a bum. He's a bum. I never liked the way he's throwing the football. Never liked his attitude. Don't like the way he dresses either. We're talking about the Bears trading for him. <laughs> he's worse than Mitchell Trubisky. Dude, he's never been able to throw the ball. <laughs> he's so bad. I just think that if Mitchell Trubisky could do something other than throw incomplete passes, he'd be a lot better. Like, the kid can run the football. He's good at running the ball. And he, but now he's doing this weird thing where he falls over to his side. That doesn't make any sense. He acts like uh, Tom Brady or Big Man, he just like collapses in the pocket. He acts like if Tom Brady and LeBron James became the same person, but they weren't as good at the sport as those two players are. Makes sense. I think it makes sense. I wasn't ready. <laughs> I wasn't ready. I want to take it back already. (laughs) I'm not going to take it back. Seattle.